Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Uh, thank you, Pastor Sal, for that introduction. And uh, it truly is an honor for me to be able to preach and teach the Word of God to you. Something that I don't take lightly, and uh, it's something that I love to do and is, I've always loved to do, and something that I've done ever since I was a teenager. So it, it really is a privilege to be, because I consider you my family, so I, get, I love doing this. I love doing this with my family. Uh, we're going to be talking about Christmas. It's, it's the Christmas season, and so we're going to be talking about something I call the gift, right? And if, it's pretty easy to guess what the gift is, and that is Jesus, right? So we're at a really easy topic today. But uh, we're talking about Christmas, we're in the Christmas season, and we're going to be talking about the gift and how important it is for us to understand why we were given this gift, and our obligation, our responsibility as believers to give this gift out to other people. And uh, so let's, let's go, let's, we're going to open in prayer and then we're going to dive into this. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you have given us the, the greatest gift of all time, and that is Jesus Christ. You loved us enough you saved us from sin, you saved us from eternal separation from you, and you gave us Jesus so that we could spend all of eternity with you. We thank you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So with the Christmas season here, I have to ask all of you, how many of you have already started watching Christmas movies? A few of you? Oh, almost, almost everybody. How many of you don't watch Christmas movies during the Christmas season? Okay, it's okay. I used to never watch Christmas movies during the Christmas season. I didn't like them. And then I married my wife, Rachel, and she saved me. No. And, uh, you know, even when we were dating, we would watch Christmas movies. One time, one time, it was summer, and we were watching A White Christmas. That's, that's, that's how it is in our house, okay? So uh, Christmas movies is a big part of our family. And, uh, in fact, Rachel started this year, the day after Thanksgiving, by watching A White Christmas so we started things really early, okay? We, 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 get a, we, get, we start things early in our house. And uh, actually, there was a movie that uh, I watched just the other day, and uh, it's called It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you guys have seen It's a Wonderful Life? It's kind of an old black and white movie, Christmas movie. I've seen it probably a dozen times, right? Uh, I, I felt like I watched it for the first time in my life the other day. I felt like I truly understood what this movie was really about. I think before, when I was a teenager... I thought, this is a, a movie about a, a disgruntled man who isn't happy with his life. And then, you know, God does some things with an angel, and he finally realizes the real true meaning of Christmas is, you know, his kids and stuff. And, and I, I think I just kind of thought it was like a, you know, it was like a, you know, a cliche-type Christmas movie. And I watched this movie the other day, and it almost had me in tears. I think maybe I even was crying just a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest, because... As I watched this movie, now as being an adult, having kids and a family of my own, I began to see the real internal struggle that the main character in this movie had. And by the way, if you haven't seen this movie yet, I'm sorry to ruin it a little bit, but it's been out for like a hundred years. And if, if you haven't seen it yet, you probably won't ever see it. I won't try and ruin too much of it. But he has this internal struggle of just wanting to place value on things that are just temporary. And I, I don't blame him, you know, he, he wants to get out of this small town, he wants to live life, he wants to feel like he has meaning in his life, right? He, he, he doesn't feel like he has value in this small little town. So he feels like if I just get out there, if I go do something, I'll, I'll finally have value to my life. And so over the course of this movie, he finally realizes at the very end that the things that he had in his life, the relationships that he had with his family, with the people in the town, the people that he helped save their homes and businesses, 
that was the real value that he had in life. It was the eternal things, right? So as I watched this movie, it made me realize this is, I think, a struggle that every single human has. We want value in life. We want to have something that we can hold on to that really means something, and that's what he was struggling for. And that's why I think it really spoke to me this time when I watched it. And, you know, just recently in the past few months, um, my father almost died. In, in the church, you guys had prayed for him during this time. He came probably within minutes of dying. And after that point in my life, it was almost like a light switch went on in, in my soul. And, and God just put this urgency in my life to make everything count, make every day count. Focus on the eternal things. Focus on the gift of Jesus Christ before everything else. And it's not that I didn't care about other things. It's not that I didn't care about God and eternal things. It's just that God put this urgency in my soul when my dad almost died. And I realized that I only have today to live. And the gift, the gift of Jesus, is the most important gift that I could possibly have. You see, this gift that has been given to us, this gift of Jesus Christ, this is something that was promised to us, to humanity, for a very, very long time. In fact, if we look at Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 22, verse 2 through t- uh, 23, we're going we're gonna to see how, back, how far back this actually goes. And Matthew says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. He's talking about Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here, the prophet Isaiah is prophesying about the coming king. He's prophesying about Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus ever comes. You see, God is preparing us for this most wonderful gift before, you know, I mean, think about that. He's preparing people. He's preparing them hundreds of years beforehand for this gift. And if we go back even a little bit further, we can go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. You see here, God proclaims that he, meaning Jesus, will bruise or deal a death blow to Satan's head. Already God has made known his plans to send a Savior to us. Think about that. All the way back to the the, the beginning of time, God had this plan to save us, right? When Adam and Eve, they've sinned, they brought sin into the world, they've, they've cut us off from God, and already God has this plan to send the most amazing Christmas gift of all time, Jesus Christ. Think about that for a second. You, you see, when, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and they cut themselves off from Him, God could have just started over. How easy would that have been for God just to say, you know what? fine. You guys sinned. You rebelled against me. I'm done with you. How easy would it have been for God to say, you know what? I can, I can create a hundred other planets. I can, I can do this a hundred times over. I don't need you. God could have done that, right? Can we agree? God could have done that. But the reality is, is that out of God's love for us, he wasn't willing to let us suffer and be separated from him eternally without giving us a chance to receive the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? God could have started over. God could have said, I'm done with you. You rebelled against me, but I love you too much. I'm going to offer you a chance to come back to me. All the way back in Genesis, he offers this. See, in order for us to understand, appreciate this gift that God has given us, we need to, start, uh, we need to understand what this gift really is. We look at John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 and 14. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, God sent his Son, Jesus, who is God, to become fully man while still being fully God. And in order for us to believe in the sufficiency of God's atonement for our sins, we must believe what John testifies as to who Jesus is. We have to believe that God, that Jesus, is fully God and fully man. We're going to discover here why it's essential to our faith as believers. In order for us to be saved, we have to believe this. This isn't just some you know, doctrine, some theology that we kind of skip through and don't think about. This is essential to our salvation. This is essential to us to understanding and appreciating what God has truly done for us. There was an early church uh, father. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name very well, but I believe it's a Cyprian. And he says, Christ is both man and God, compounded of both natures, so that he could be a mediator between us and the Father. You see, even back in the early church, this belief, this understanding that Jesus was fully God and fully man was completely understood and believed. They knew that it was necessary for this to be, and we're going we're gonna to dive into that here real quick. We have to first understand that Jesus was an effective sacrifice for us. You see, when we are cut off from God because of our sins, we must have an atonement. There must be a penalty. There must be a sacrifice made for us so that we can be in relationship with God. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 4, verses 8 through 10, it says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be by the same sacrifices repeatedly, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered, for the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. You see, when Israel was established through the law, there was these sacrifices. We all know this. We've heard this through, through messages all throughout our life. But again, we have to understand and appreciate what has been leading up to Jesus Christ for us to understand why we need this, right? It is our sins that have cut us off from God. It, the, the, our sins have, have cast us away from God. And, and here, in the, the author of Hebrews says, the, the blood of bulls, the blood of goats can't save us. We could sacrifice a million animals. We could sacrifice a million people, and it would not atone for the sins of mankind. The blood of animals, the blood of man will not be sufficient to cover our sins. Church, I think this is part of what we need to understand and appreciate about how, how serious our sin is against God. I, I don't want to try and make us feel guilty, but I, 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 what I want us to understand is how serious sin really is. You see, nothing but the blood of Jesus is sufficient for us. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can bring us back to God. For us to really understand this, I wanted to show you a quote by a theologian, Charles Ryer. 
It says, without the incarnation, that is Jesus becoming man, we would have no Savior. Sin requires death for its payment. God does not die. So the Savior must be human in order to be able to die. But the death of an ordinary man would not pay for sin eternally. So the Savior must also be God. We must have a God-man Savior, and we do in our Lord. I felt that was one of the most concise ways to put this. We need a God-man Savior. Because you see, God can't die, but the death of a man is not sufficient for our sins. Our sins, they are so serious, they are so deep, they cut us off from God. Adam and Eve, do you think God wanted them to be separated from Him? Do you think God wants us separated from Him? You know, there are a lot of times where I think to myself and I think, God, why couldn't just the sacrifice of animals be sufficient? Why, couldn't, why, why can't I just take some rice and grains and burn it and be like, here you go, you know, my sins are, are gone, you know? Like, why couldn't there be another way? But you see, the way that God is, how holy He is, the only sufficient way is through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's how serious our sin is. And so when I was saying earlier about how God could have said, I'm done with you, God knew that the only way to save us was through the sacrifice of Jesus. So when we think about that for a second, He didn't have to save us. He knew that the only way was to sacrifice Jesus. And yet out of His love, He offered this gift to us. Church, isn't this amazing? This gift is so amazing that God said, I, I, I choose to offer them a way back to me. And that only way is the sacrifice of my son, Jesus. You know, when we really think about that, I, honestly, church, it, it has to put us on our knees and weep for joy and just thinking, Lord, thank you so much. You did something you didn't have to do for us. You didn't have to save us. You didn't have to humble yourself and come down to earth and become a man, be born in a, in a barn and, and to walk with us and to suffer like us. You didn't have to do that. But your love was so great and you offered this gift to us. Isn't that amazing? It makes you want to just weep when you think about how great it is. And our understanding of the incarnation is necessary. It's necessary for us to understand and appreciate this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 18 through 19 it says, so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. You know, when Jesus, right before he was going to die, he knew what was coming and he, he wept. I don't think he really wanted to die on that cross, but his love for us was too great. His love for us was too great, church. He didn't want to go and die on that cross. He knew what was waiting for him, but his love for us was too great. And I, when I think about that love that God has given us, I think, church, how can we not but love other people and give that gift to other people? How can we not? The love is too great. The sacrifice was too great, and he didn't have to do it. And you know, the reality is, is we don't have to do it either. That gift that's been given to us, technically you can withhold that, but God has commanded us to give that gift of love to other people, to give that gift of Jesus to other people. Despite our sin, our rebellion to God, He offers this gift to us. This love is extended to us and expected of us to extend to others. You see, Jesus is our example. We learn from our teacher 
We love grace. We, we learn grace. We learn love. And we give it to those who don't deserve it just like us. Right? We don't deserve His love. We don't deserve His forgiveness. But He loved us so much that He gave it to us anyway. And so then our responsibility is to take that gift, to take that, that love, and to give it to other people, even if we don't feel that they deserve it. That's a tough thing to do. That's tough love, right? You know, about 10 years ago, I worked in a warehouse in Tacoma. And I was, a young, I was younger than I am now. And, uh, and, I, and I, I was a manager in a, in a small department in this warehouse, and there was a young man that became a friend of mine. And he didn't know the Lord. He came from a pretty rough background drugs and alcohol and just kind of just the really hardcore kind of background right and he became really interested in knowing about God so he and I began a relationship and I I began to do whatever I could to mentor him the disciple and he was genuinely interested in becoming a Christian so we would talk we'd spend hours talking and going through the Bible and I give him rides to places I would I would help him out financially I I would do whatever I could because I felt God just giving me this love for this, this young man and, and so I would do whatever I could to help him. I, I'd drive him places. I'd, I'd help him move into a new home. I, I helped get him out of bad situations in his life. I, whatever I could do, I was like, I, I love this young man. Lord, you've given me this love. And I'd do whatever I could. And eventually I was able to help lead him to the Lord. And then he ended up moving into a house with uh, some other young Christian men. And I'm just like, yes, thank you, Lord. It was just an amazing thing, this long process of seeing someone come to know the Lord and this love that I had been able to give him that God had given me. And I knew that God, it was God who was doing everything in this young man's life, but I was the vessel of this love. And so, you know, we, we, you know he's, he's being discipled, and then over some time, he starts slipping back into his old lifestyle. And then he starts getting back into drugs, and, just, and then eventually just abandons his faith. And then he ends up leaving the job, and he, he won't talk to me, and it broke my heart because here I had invested my life into somebody. Here I had poured everything into them, given to them spiritually, financially, my time. I'd given them everything that I could possibly give to them. And I see the change happen in their life, and then they just fall back into that life, and now they don't want anything to do with me. And I, and I actually got angry, and, and I was like, Lord, why would you even have me love this person if they're just going to fall away from you? And, and I think there's even a part of me that just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to love people. I'm going I'm to take care of me and my own. And you know what, forget everybody else that don't, they don't deserve that kind of love and that kind of sacrifice that I made. But you know what, the Lord, he's, he's pretty quick to teach us when we're, when we're in the wrong. And he quickly taught me, you know, you don't have the right to say that, I, 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 you, that I'm not going to love this person. I'm not going to sacrifice this person. You, you don't have that right. What if I had said that to you, Right? And so the Lord quickly reminded me that I don't always know who's going to come to him or who's not going to come to him, but I don't have the choice to say who I'm going to love and who I'm not going to love. I don't have that choice. Because think about that. When Jesus was on the cross, don't you think he knew that there were going to be many who were going to reject the message of love that was going to be offered? Don't you think that he knew on the cross when he died for our sins, he knew people are going to mock me, people are going to reject me. People are going to be shown my love and they're going to turn away from me and I'm dying for them and they're going to reject me. But you see, Jesus is our example and so we have to, we have to, we have to perpetrate that example. When we're disciples, when we make Jesus our teacher, our master, we have, to, we have to exemplify that example. You know what? That example is a painful example at times in our lives. That young man, that was a painful example for me 
to learn that somebody could take that love and then to me felt like they just threw it on the ground and trampled it and walked away. But you know what? It stirred up my love again because I realized that God's love for me is so great. And I, I, you know what? I've got to keep loving Him no matter what. And as God taught me that, eventually, I'm, I'm so happy to say that young man came back to the Lord and is a strong man of God. You know, he's taking care of his family. He's faithful. He's, he's being discipled. And, and I have a relationship with him now. And, you know, this is a course of 10 years of sacrificial love. I wish he was here today. I wish he could share his testimony with you of God's love in his life. And I, why I'm sharing this story, I guess, is to encourage you. There might be people in your life that you're just, you're, you feel like, I'm done with these people. And I'm not trying to advocate if maybe you're in an abusive situation that, you know, there are protocols for something like to, to back out of that. But there are people in our life where God says, you need to show them love because I show them love. You're my vessel of showing love to them. You don't know how many years down the road it might be before they come to me. Right? Sacrificial love, it's a tough thing, but it's something that we must do. We must be imitators of our Master. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. Church, sometimes following in Jesus' steps can be very painful. For the most part, I have all joy, I have all peace following in His footsteps, but there are times where it is painful. But when I think about the sacrifice that Jesus made, this gift that has been given to me, and all the pain and everything that it took, and I think, you know what, my sacrifice is nothing compared to His sacrifice. I can do it. Christ is in me. I have the Holy Spirit. I can love these people. I can do it because Christ is in me. Here's an interesting story that I came across that I think pertains to this. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45, it says, A man with leprosy came to him, meaning Jesus, and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. When I thought about this story, you know, Jesus obviously knows that this, this, this man who has leprosy, he knows that he's going to disobey him, right? But he had compassion. It said that he had compassion on him. And when I think about that story and how the man just disobeys Jesus, and I, I know he's excited, but he disobeys him anyway, and, and, and then he makes Jesus' ministry even more difficult for him, and yet Jesus had compassion on him, and he couldn't help but just love this man and help him out. Only Jesus could help this man, and, and Jesus knew that. And when I think about that story, I think there are going to be times in our lives where maybe we're the only person in a certain person's life that we can show compassion and love to them. And maybe they're going to be unappreciative of it, but we're the only one that God has placed in their life. And again, we don't have, we don't have that ability to say, I'm not going to love you just because of who you are or what you've done or where you're going. My responsibility is to love you, to show compassion on you. So we have a charge. There's three things in this charge. The first is that we have to understand to be thankful for this gift. In our repentance and our confession and faith in Jesus, we must be thankful for this gift, church. 
I think a lot of times we can spend a lot of time in, our, in, in church and hearing messages and it, just, it goes in one ear and out the other and we're around our family and we hear this message of Jesus and it just never penetrates our heart. And the gravity of our sin just never penetrates our heart. And we don't really appreciate the gift that was given to us. How can you appreciate a gift if you don't understand why you need this gift? How can you appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus came to die for us if you don't understand why? The sin in your life that, is, that has separated you from Him. We have to appreciate that. The only way to understand is to have an acknowledgement of our sins and to repent of them and confess to Jesus, Lord, I need you. Our second charge, sharing the gospel. We have to share the gospel. We have to share this gift with people. When Jesus left, He gave us this obligation to make disciples, to share the gospel and make disciples. There's no if, and, or buts about this. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you have to make disciples as well. I think that's one reason why I love being a part of Reach with Rachel and Brent and Rachel and Aaron and Pastor Sal and Rhonda. Because, <laughs> I, I know, I just named everybody off, but I, I love being a part of it because we are, we are a part of the process of making disciples. Parents, you are the disciplers, and we get to come alongside you and, and help in that. And I love being a part of that. I love it. We have to pray for conviction for people when we share the gospel. Ultimately, we don't save people. It's God that saves them. That's one reason why I love when we pray every Sunday morning, we walk around here, we're praying for the people that we love. We're praying for people that are going to be coming into this church. We pray for families in this community. We're believing that God is going to use us to love them and bring them to Him. Because it's only God that's going to save them. And the third thing is sacrificial love to others. The sacrificial love is, I think, one of the most hardest things that we can possibly do in our life. The other day, not too long ago, God began to speak to me about this sacrificial love. And He said to me, who do you love the least? Then I want you to love them. And, and uh, <clears throat> if I'm being honest, the people that I love the least are the homeless. I'm just being honest. I think through the years that have been the people that I've looked down on the most, out of my own pride and my own selfishness and my own thinking that I'm better or they made bad decisions or, you know, it's their own fault. And you know what? God taught me that He loves them just as much as that He loves me. And am I going to let my pride get in the way of loving somebody like that? And I got to meet this lady that was out by my work and I began talking with her and praying for her and gave her some food. And she told me a little bit about her story and I realized how, how stupid of you to think down on somebody like this that loves God. Here's somebody who loves Jesus living out on the street and you think you're better than them. And God began to just speak to me, your, your love has to be sacrificial and you need to get over yourself. You need to begin thinking about the people you love the, the least and you need to begin to start loving those people. And I was like, yes, Jesus, all right, I'm, I'm not going to disobey you. I'm going I'm to obey you and I'm going to love these people. So I just let the Lord change my heart. Church, that's our charge today. Let's, let's receive this gift of Jesus. Let's, let's appreciate it. Let's share the gospel with people. And let's give sacrificial love to them just as Jesus gave to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraySenterOnline.com.